This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. And uh, I'm glad you're here today. And we are in week three of our series entitled Brand New. Our kind of our, our scripture verse for this whole series has come out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, has, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. And I love that. Look. He's saying, look ahead. New things have come. And if you've been here throughout this series in week one, we talked about how we start out our, our, our New Year's resolutions and we have all these ideas on how we're going to make my life improved this year, how I'm going to improve 2019, how I can improve the outside. But what Jesus is saying is, look, I'm making you a new creation. He's saying, I don't want to improve your life. I want to make you new. I don't want to just add something on and try to make it a little bit better and, and put lipstick on a pig. I want to make you new from the inside out. And so this series, Brand New, is about being made new from the inside out. And then week two, we talked about brand new fitness. And you thought I was going to be leading a CrossFit workout after the sermon, but that's not where we were headed. We're talking about brand new fitness. What we realize is that so many of us are controlled by our bodies. And by body, I don't mean I'm out of shape or I eat too much, although that's sometimes the case for us, right? We we were joking about those late night snacks, long live the king. If you are here last week, you know what I'm talking about, right? But we're controlled by the flesh. That's the sin that's in a sin that entangles us, that controls us. And we're talking about a brand new fitness, breaking free of sin, not being controlled by our physical bodies, but being controlled by the Spirit of God. And so we, it's been a great series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, today, we're going to have a really, 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 really fun talk, topic that we're talking about today. We're talking about money. Who's excited? Everybody said amen? Oh, you bunch of liars. We got some liars in the house. Y'all need to go back and listen to last week's sermon. But we're going to be talking about brand new finances. And as soon as I said that, you think you know where I'm headed. You're like, I know what he's going to be talking about today. And you are correct. <laughs> when it comes to our relationship with God and money, it often feels like this. Let me show you a video. This will describe how it feels like our relationship with God and money. (laughs) 
<laughs> Dude, he brought the pie. that not exactly how it feels sometimes when it comes to God and money like literally I showed this to Katie my wife and she said Mike that is exactly exactly how I feel it's always uncomfortable and weird and sometimes tough to talk about money especially in church like nobody wants to talk about money especially not in church and um, I think uh, there's a few reasons for that but every time like for example I was joking about this this morning every time like uh, a new a pastor you hear about a pastor getting like a jet or something you ever heard about like these huge churches they get like jet somebody texts me he's like mike when are we getting our jet at the river and the answer is soon baby we're working on it that's the point of this sermon actually we're gonna try to raise some money need a jet um but honestly the reason why some of the reasons why it's such a difficult subject is because at times the church if we're honest has handled this poorly don't you think there's been times that the church has handled this poorly. They've taken advantage of people. People, I mean, it's been it's sinful. Some of the ways that um, money has been handled and talked about and dealt with in church. And so we don't want to do that today. But also the other reason why it's tough to talk about is because if we're just honest, we're selfish. And we don't want anybody to tell us how we should be spending our money. Am I right? Anybody want to be told? The only person that tells me how I spend my money is my wife. Okay, thank you very much. And all the ladies said, amen, there you go. They're good at it, that's right. <laughs> but it's so important that we talk about money, and even though it's this big elephant in the room, because the truth of the matter is that most people's problems in life surround money. Like if you look at statistically the crime rates, if you look at the reasons why crime happens, it always centers around money, almost always, right? Unless it was some kind of love murder, right? And then statistically, the number one cause of divorce in the United States of America centers around money. That's right. The thing about money is that if you don't control it, you will become a victim to it and you will be controlled by it. That's why we believe so much in the Dave Ramsey class that we have here that Corey and Maureen Storm teach here at the River Church. It's helped a lot of people learn how to not be controlled by their money, but to control their money and teach it where to go instead of it teaching us what to do, right? And so what I want to do today as we talk about money is I want to break, number one, break a few of our thought patterns, some unhealthy ways that we think about money. And then secondly, I want to give us some new habits or maybe some old habits or maybe just reinforce some habits for us, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. And one of the key verses and also kind of an interesting verse about money, uh, one, of, kind of one of the strange ones, is in Luke chapter 16, verses 9 through 13. And also, if you notice today, when you walked in, we were trying something out new. I'm going to try to do this going forward as, uh, as you have notes in your worship guide. If you grab one of those, you have notes so you can follow along. So we trying it out. Let us know if you like it. If you don't, crumble it up, just throw it at me. Come on. All right, Luke 16, 9 through 13. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous money, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with the unrighteous money, who will trust you with what is genuine? 
Other places translate that word genuine as true riches. And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No, a household slave can, can be, no household slave can be the slave of two masters, since he will either hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves to both God and money. And if you were reading along with me here and you were a little bit confused at the beginning of that, it's because it's kind of confusing. <laughs> what Jesus is saying here, he says, I want you to take unrighteous money. I want you to take money. He says, I want you to make friends with it. What does that mean, right? What he's saying is, I want you to do good with it. I want you to take unrighteous money. I want you to bless people with it. I want you to serve people with it. I want you to, to do good with it. And he says, when they, you enter into eternal, when you fail, he's talking about when you die. Side note, we all going to die. Sorry to bust your bubble, right? But when you fail, when you die, they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. What does that mean? What he's saying is, well, anybody ever grew up in church, remember that song, uh, Thank You for Giving to the Lord? Remember that one? Thank you for giving your thought. Don't make me keep singing it. That's what, I'll, that's what I think about when I think about this song, or when I think about this verse. What he's saying is one day when you die, you're going to go into heaven if you're a Christian, and there will be people there who have been blessed by what you have chosen to do with what God has given you. And he says they will welcome you into heaven and say, man, thank you so much for what you did. Let me tell you how it changed my life. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? And so he continues on. He says, since this is true, if you're faithful Essentially, with a little bit of money, you're going to be faithful with a lot of it. And vice versa, if you're not faithful with a little bit, you're not going to be faithful with a lot of it. So who will trust? Who will God trust with what is genuine or true riches? Who will God trust with true riches? Those who are faithful, even in the little things. And what's interesting about this, he finishes it by saying, you can't be neutral here. Did you catch that? You have to pick a side. You can't be neutral. Either you will serve God or you will serve money. And what's interesting about this text, and this is, this is a really strange thing. If you, any, anybody in here bring a New King James Bible? If you were to open that up and you were to look at the way that word money is translated in New King James, they don't translate it as money. You know what they translate it as? You might. Mammon. That word mammon, you're saying, well, what is mammon? Well, mammon is actually more of a little tran literal translation. I'm not even trying to say the Greek word because I'm not good at that. But the actual translation is this word mammon, and so it's not, Jesus isn't talking about the literal object of money, but he's talking about this word mammon, and mammon was a well-known, at that time, false god. What mammon is, is the false god of riches. It's a Syrian god. False god of riches. And, and the idea of mammon, what he does, what Jesus is saying, you can't serve this god mammon and God. And, and what Mammon did, this false god Mammon, what his idea was he controlled people, and the way that he controlled people was by their love of, desire of, greed of money. And the Babylonians actually called, said that he sowed confusion. And so what he would do is he would love, he would use your love of money, your greed of money, to sow confusion into your life and therefore control you by it. And so what Jesus is saying is either God spirit is in control of your money and how you spend money or you're serving this false god mammon with your money. It kind of stinks, doesn't it? When we begin to understand what Jesus is saying here, it, we begin to take shape and see money in a little bit different way, don't we? We begin to see that 
the way we use money, the way we feel about money, the way we think about money is not just some normal thing. As a matter of fact, it is a very, very spiritual thing. What I would say to you is money is spiritual. The way we use our money is spiritual. And, and I think that we probably all know people or have even felt at times in our lives that control of money. You know what I'm talking about? That desire for it, that lust of it, that control of it. We've seen other people be controlled by it, have we not? Right? Anybody give some examples? Anybody? Anybody in this room? Just kidding. And you say, well, my God, I don't know if that's true. I, I, I don't know. Well, let me tell you, I saw this interesting poll, and it was a poll where they asked people what they would do for $10 million. You may have heard this before. It was kind of a famous poll when it came out. For $10 million, what would you do? Answer out loud if you would do this or not. Don't do that. That would be bad. 25% of people said that they would abandon their family for $10 million. 25% of people. And that's just the ones that would admit it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? The, the wives like looking at the answers. No, me, no, of course not. No. Have y'all heard that joke? It's hilarious about the woman who won the lottery and she called her husband. You know what I'm talking about? Calls, calls her husband and says, honey, I just won the lottery. Come home and pack a bag. He says, awesome. Where are we going? Cold, water, cold weather, warm weather? And she goes, I don't care. Just be gone by five. 25% of people said they would abandon their family. 23% said that they would prostitute themselves. Wow. 16% said that they would give up their U.S. citizenship. Here's a great. 10% said that they would let a murderer go free for $10 million. 7% of people said that they would kill a stranger. And 3% said they'd put their kids up for adoption. Some of you are like, I'll do it for free. <laughs> more and more we realize that we are controlled by money. And one of the reasons that the spirit of money or mammon or whatever you want to call it controls us so well is because it tells us some very simple lies. And they're lies that we believe in. They're lies that we feel at our core of who we are. They're lies that trick us into believing that we can trust in money. And at the end of the day, they're lies that play on our human needs. And so today I want to tell you a few lies that man and our money feeds us. And secondly, I want to give us some ways to just break the chains and fight back. Lie number one, money tells us that it gives us Security. If you wrote your, you have your notes, that's the first blank. Security. One of our basic needs as a human being is to feel safe and secure, right? Like a few months back or about a year ago, I got life insurance. <laughs> and I, I kind of talked to you guys along the journey because there's some funny things that happened. But, but one of the things is a guy was talking to me about how much life insurance I needed. I had a number in mind and he had a number in mind. And I'll tell you that his number was a lot bigger than the number I was thinking of, okay? <laughs> and so he, as we're talking about it, and I'm saying, well, I think we need this much. If I were to die, my family needs this much. And he began to go, well, Mike, don't you want to be able to pay off the house if you die? Mike, don't you want to be able to, to, to pay off your kid's college if you die? Don't you want to pay off the grandkids? Mike, your wife is going to be so devastated. If you die, she's not going to be able to work for like 10 years. He said that. I'm like, right. <laughs> and so the more and more he's talking about, he, what he was saying is, Mike, don't you want your family to be secure? Of course I do. Who wouldn't want their family to be taken care of? If you don't, something's wrong with you, right? And so he talked to me, talked, long story short, I got like a $20 million life insurance policy. I got no money in the house. It's all going to that. But if I die, 
investigate. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially if Katie disappears and she's like on the Bahamas, check her Instagram, see where she's at, investigate. <laughs> the enemy knows that we have this desire to be secure at our heart. Who wouldn't want to be safe? Who wouldn't want to be secure? And a lot of times it's easy to put our faith in material things rather than put our faith in God. And let me tell you the truth, River Church, Satan plays on that. Satan plays on that. He knows that he will push you and push that button and push that button. Don't don't give that money away. Don't don't help that person. Don't tithe that. No, you need you got to put that in the bank, man. Satan will play on that. But Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, anyone trusting in his riches will fail, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. See, the truth is. The truth is you can stack up as much dollar bills as you want, but it will not protect you. It will not keep you safe because sickness still happens. Accidents still happens. And for all of life's beauty, it is unpredictably harsh at times. The only thing you can put your trust in, the only thing that is can provide for you security is Jesus Christ alone. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied for, with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore, me, we may, what's that say? We may boldly say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Simply put, River Church, our hope is not in the economy. Our hope is not in our president. Our hope is not in the stock market or any other factor on earth. Our hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Don't you believe the lie that you need more and more and more and more to keep you safe. Put your hope and trust in Jesus, a God that will never leave you or forsake you. Lie number two. Lie number two. Money will give you an identity. See, the second lie that money tells us is that if you have enough, you're going to be somebody. You're going to be important. People are going to think you're cool. People are going to admire you. People are going to think you're great. And this is especially, especially, especially dangerous for men. We put a lot of stock in this. We want to be admired. We want to be looked up to. We want people to think we're important. And so you know the saying, we end up spending a whole lot of money buying things we don't need to impress people we don't like. That's right. Luke 12, 15 said, he then told him, watch out and be on guard against greed because one's life is not in the abundance of possessions. What gives you identity is not the abundance of possessions. Who you are has nothing to do how, with how much money you make. I know people who are millionaires who are trash people. Can I say that? Trash people. Jesus loves them, but they're not great people. And I have people who with nothing who are gold. How much money you have does not inform who you are. You hear me? How much money you have does not inform who you are. The truth is that God tells you who you are. Just like we sang in that last song today, the truth is that God tells you who you are. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. This is who he says you are. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb and I will praise you. Why will I praise you? Because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. I used to use that as a pastor pickup line. That's a Jesus pickup line. Baby, you are remarkably and wonderfully made. <laughs> it worked on Katie. 
He says, I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know this very well. Why do we know this? Because you are one of God's works. He says, you are wonderfully made. You are remarkable. Let God inform who you are, not what you have. Lie three, happiness. Lie number three, happiness. In the book of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, he's out. We've talked about this before, but he's out to find out the meaning of life. What's the purpose of life? And he essentially he's saying, what will bring me happiness? And so he pursues all the pleasures of the world and he gets as rich as he possibly can. Like rich, rich. Like he's got jets on top of jets. You know what I'm saying? Like he was rich. He's got kings and queens from other countries bringing him presents. That's how rich this dude was. And he lives this extravagant life that you and I will never touch. And at the end of it, here's what he says about how happy money will make you. Ecclesiastes 5.10, or how happy the love of money will make you. The one who loves money is never satisfied with money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This is futile. You're thinking, Mike, I'd be satisfied with a mill. Maybe two. Like, let me try it out. I would like to also. I won't lie. But the point is it won't satisfy you. Here's what Rockefeller said. Rockefeller was at one point the richest man in the world. He was the first American billionaire. And considering that he was a billionaire in the early 1900s, he's still considered the richest man in modern history. A reporter came to him and said, hey, how much is enough? He said, just a little bit more. Didn't Solomon say that? The truth is, is that, let me say this to you. If you can't learn to live and be content and find happiness where you are, the chances are you won't find it with a little bit more. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying don't provide for your family. I'm not saying, uh, like, don't say, pastor said, don't worry about it. It's cool. We don't, we don't need no money, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't dream. I'm not saying don't pursue more. I'm not saying don't try to get more money and riches and resources or be ambitious. I'm ambitious. I want to take care of my family. I want that jet, baby, right? But if you're not happy now, this is a warning from Solomon. If you're not happy, if you can't be content where you are, don't think a few more zeros in the bank account is going to do that for you because it won't. And what's going to happen is you're going to spend your life pursuing that. You'll get it if you're lucky. And then you'll go, oh, man, I wasted a whole lot of time. Romans 4, 7, 8. This is why we can be happy. This is why we can find joy. How joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven, whose sins are covered. How joyful is the man the Lord will never charge with sin. The truth is, is that we were dead. The truth is that we were lost. The truth is that we were headed to hell, yet our Savior, our God, died on the cross for us so that we can be set free. And because of that, we can live in joy and happiness and peace and find life because you are forgiven and cleansed. We are like a man or a woman set free from jail. We have life and joy and abundance. God says, I have set you free from sin. Now go and enjoy life. Be happy because you were dead and now you're alive. Find life in that. Find happiness in that. So the enemy lies to us, man. The enemy lies to us. He tries to trick us. He tries to help us to pursue money and say, so, so what, do, what do we do then, Mike? 
If those are the lies that the enemy tells us, how do we, how do we break that? Well, there's often two ways the church goes or we tend to go. One is the prosperity gospel where we're like, okay, so money. If God loves me, he's going to give me a lot of money. If I do the right things, he's going to give me a lot of money. If I, that, and so that means that God loves me if he, if he gives me a lot. That's not true. There's a lot of people who serve God faithfully, who love God faithfully. You read about in the Bible who served him and loved him. And guess what happened to them? Didn't work out so well. But then the other way that we go with that is to think that, okay, so if Mike's saying we shouldn't want to pursue money or all this kind of stuff, that's not what I'm saying. That means we need to live in poverty, right? And just be poor and wretched. Oh, woe is me. That's not what this is saying either. That's not the truth either. The answer is, is that we need to have a right mindset and a right spirit when it comes to how we deal with our money. Because money is spiritual. And so when we get controlled by money, we get controlled by it because we fall in love with money. So what we want to do is we want to keep tool, we want to keep money as a tool that we use in our lives, not us being the tool that money uses. Don't be a tool. Write that in your notes. So I'm going to give you a few steps that I think can help us break the bondage of the love of money. The first step is the one that you knew was coming. Return the first. Return the first. Here's the truth. If you want God's spirit on your money instead of the spirit of mammon, God makes it simple for you. He says, return to me what is mine. Everything on this planet is God's. And what he essentially says to us is, I'm going to give you a little bit of it. I'm going to give you some of it to steward. And it's a way that you're going to show honor to me. A way that you're going to worship me is to give me back a tithe or 10%. You say, all right, Mike, what are we raising money for? What do you need? I told you a jet. (laughs) I said it from the beginning. But honestly, seriously, if you were here last week, we had our our budget meeting for the year and we encouraged everyone to stick around. And if you did, you saw that we don't need anything, man. We're we're in good shape. So I'm not raising money for a building. I I don't need anything. This is not for the River Church. This is for your soul. This is for your soul. Because if mammon is your God, if money is your God, it's going to keep you from giving to God what is his. And I know what you're thinking because I think the same thing. But Mike, it's mine. I worked hard for it. I earned it. I own it. It's mine. And yes, I'm sure you did work hard for it. But no, it's not yours. Because here's the thing is that God gave you, he equipped you with the skills that you have to do the job that you have. He gave you the talents you have to do the job that you have. He opened the door for you at the job that you have. He blessed you and gave you favor at the job that you have. Regardless of how great you think you are at what you do, God sets you up. God sets you up. And so what we need to understand, we got to get our minds right and understand that everything that we have is a blessing from him to us, including your talents, including your abilities, including your job. He gave that to you. Even your work ethic. I pulled myself up my bootstraps. No, you did not. Nobody even wears boots like that anymore. Come on. (laughs) You're saying, Mike, this is just a preacher talk. You're trying to trick me. I'm not. I'm not trying to trick you. Like, we're three years old as a church, and this is the first time I've talked about this. And I've honestly done you a disservice by waiting so long to talk about it. Because God convicted me, convicted me about this a few weeks ago, about a month, about two months ago. And he said, you need to know the truth. 
Because everything you have is God's given to you by God to be a good steward of. And when you don't give back a tithe to God, you are being disobedient to God. And I don't know about you, but that's not where I want to be. <laughs> that's not where I want to be. And so for me not to tell you that is being a very unloving and unkind pastor to you. And so I know it's hard to say, but I hope you hear me. But I'm doing a disservice to you if I don't tell you, not just because it's wrong, but also because of the blessings associated with being faithful with what God gives us. Check this out. Malachi 3, 10 and 11. He says, bring to me a full tenth, that's 10%, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And he says something interesting. Test me in this way. You ever hear God say that? Test me. I want you to do this and I'll test me and see what I do. Here's what he says I'll do. See if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land and your vines of your fields will not fail to produce fruit. So what he's saying to you is if you, be, if you are faithful to me in your finances, you are faithful to me in your resources, promise number one, I'm going to open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessing on you. Promise number two, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not ruin the produce of your land. He says, and try me on it. Test me on it and see what happens. How about some amazing promises? Like I, if, if you've never heard this before, you're probably looking at me going, Mike, why have you not told me this? Like, Mike, I want God to go, heaven, blessing, right? Like, I want that. I want him to rebuke the, the devourer. Like, Mike, what is wrong with you? Why have you not told me this? That's what I'm saying. I've been doing a disservice to you. But the truth is, God's command is that if you are unfaithful with what I have given you, if you are faithful with what I've given you, I'm going to do this for you. That's a pretty cool promise. That's a pretty cool promise. So he calls you to this. And I would encourage you to do this if you're going, okay, Mike, I still believe you're the preacher. You're supposed to say, find somebody in who tithes and ask them about it. Just be careful because that could be a real awkward conversation, right? Hey, do you tithe? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Find somebody. Say, hey, man, look, can we talk about this? Have you always had enough? Has God always provided for you? God always taking Is that true about the blessing thing where he provides your needs? Is that true that he rebukes the devourer? Is that true? I can tell you my experience, but you don't believe me because I'm a preacher. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. We believe in this principle so much as a church that we tithe as a church. We've told you about this. We, we, we give away 10% of all of our tithes and offerings to the community as a tithe to the Lord. Right? We believe in that. As a matter of fact, if you were at the budget meeting last year, we almost gave away 14% last year. That's awesome. You guys are awesome. We, put, we, we believe that God is going to bless our church because of it. We believe God's going to rebuke the devourer from our church because of that. That's how much we believe in it. I want that for you too. So break the love of money. Return to God what is his. And I keep saying return because it's already his. He's not asking you for something that's yours. He's saying, give me back what's mine. So number one, return the first. Secondly, steward the rest. And I'm going to go quick because I've been talking a lot. Luke 16, 10, and 12. Whoever is faithful in little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in little will also be unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful and with unrighteous money, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give to you what is your own? 
What I believe, and I'll be brief on this one, what I believe is that God is looking around earth and he's seeing who's being a good steward of what he's given them. And, and I'm not talking about tithing anymore. I'm just talking about the rest of it. I'm, I think God is looking at what you do with your money. He's saying, are you trustworthy with what I've given you? Do you spend it wisely? As, as Dave Ramsey would say, are you sticking to the budget? Are you being a good steward of what he's given you? And what I believe is that if you are a good steward, if you are wise with what he has given you, if you're faithful and little, I believe he's going to give you much. And I believe by much, I don't necessarily mean money, but what I do mean is when he says who will trust you with what is genuine or who will trust you with true riches, I believe he'll trust your life with true riches. I know you're asking, Mike, what's true riches? People. People. So thirdly, number one, turn the first. Secondly, steward the rest. Thirdly, we need to focus our lives on true riches. And true riches are people. I believe God is looking for people who use what he has given them, the resources that he has given them, to leverage what they have with eternity in mind. To leverage what God has given you with eternity in mind. Matthew 6, 19 and 20 says, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect. Man, he says collect. Get greedy about it. Collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither must, must, moth nor rust destroy. Y'all saw what I did there, right? Yeah. And where thieves don't break in and steal. What does this mean? Collect for yourselves treasures in heaven. What does that mean? Let me give an example. When we first launched the River Church, or even before we launched, there was one person in particular and several others actually who came to me, but one person in particular said, hey, Mike, we bought a really nice house. It's big. It's really nice. It's also big. They said, we bought it with in mind mind of hosting church events. We bought it with mind of having community groups at our house. We bought that house thinking we want to we want to make a difference in eternity with what we have. And so we had literally, we, um, it's a good thing it was a big house because we had like over 60 people there one time for a crawfish boil. It was awesome. Packed that joker out, right? They hosted community groups and their home. And, and that's, the, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I think God is saying here. He's saying that we need to live with the mentality of using what God gives me materially to make a difference in eternity. Leveraging your resources, leveraging your assets to impact the world and make a difference in people's lives. True riches, building up treasures in heaven. Like, I I may be bold in saying this, but I think God likes it when we do that. Whatever God gives to me, I'm going to live with eternity in mind. I think... I think God likes it when we bless people with what we have. And I think God blesses people who do do that. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to bless you with some stuff, man. I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to give you some talent. I'm going to give you some opportunity. I'm going to give you some resources. Now take what I give you and leverage it to make a difference in other people's lives. Store up some treasures, not here on earth, but treasures that are going to last forever. Luke 16, 9 through 13. You remember that one at the beginning? We read that at the beginning. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous money so that when it fails, when you die, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings for whoever is faithful and little is also faithful and much. God's saying to you, take your resources, take what I've blessed you with and make some friends with it. Bless some people with it. Use your resources with eternity and mind. 
And I think that if you do that, when you get to heaven, there's going to be some people who go, hey, man, when you opened up your home for that community group, gave me a place to go that I didn't have before. Hey, man, when you, when you bought me that lunch, it really showed me that you loved me. It meant a lot to me. Hey, when you gave that money to help that girl get to Africa, and I was one of those kids that had impacted And y'all can all sing that song together. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what's cool about that, you think, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I could impact one person. No, you can impact generations if you do that. Because you change one person's life, and that could change the course of their entire family. You know how I know that? I'm the result of that. I've told you all this story before, but I have a great, great aunt who, like, all the people before her, all the Geralds before that, trash people, right? Horse thieves, not good people. She got saved. From then on, it changed the course of my family's history. And you have Christian after Christian, pastor after pastor in her lineage because she got saved. You know what? The person who led her to Jesus, the man or woman who was faithful and to, to pursue true riches, changed my life, changed my kids' lives. I can't wait to get to heaven and, man, just bear hug that person. And I want that for you because you can take what God has given you and you cannot just change one person's life, but you can potentially change generations for somebody. Praise God, right? Praise God. So be faithful. Be faithful. You can only serve one master. Is it going to be God? Is it going to be money or mammon? Do not be controlled by mammon. Honor God with what he has given you. Glorify God with what he has given you. Focus on true riches. Return the first. Steward the rest. Focus on true riches. And as the band's about to come out, I, I want to tell you two quick things as we close. Number one is this. Do not feel like I've been saying that to have wealth or to work hard to achieve money is an evil thing. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. I'm not saying that being blessed is bad. Being blessed financially is a great thing because there's a lot of things you can do with it. And if you're not sure, ask me. I will help you find out. But you have to make sure that you serve God and not your money. And a good indicator of that is to ask yourself those questions I asked you earlier. Am I returning the first? Am I stewarding the rest? Am I focusing on true riches over temporary things? And to be honest, those are really easy questions to answer. I mean, they could be hard to answer, but they're easy to answer. You know what I'm saying? And then secondly is, in a few minutes when we take up the offering, don't overreact. Don't overreact. Don't be like, I haven't tithed in three years. Here's my savings. Don't do that. We don't want you to do that. What I want you to do is hear what God is saying to you. I want you to weigh it. I want you to consider it. And I want you to be faithful in what He has given you. I want you to be faithful in what He has given you. I want you to be a good steward of what He has given you. And I want eternity to be different. I want eternity to be different because you're faithful in what God has given you. Amen.